What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the latest edition of the Eagles Fans Podcast. Today's episode is 16, and on today's pod, I have James from the Fresh Prince of Philly account on Instagram. On this episode, we discuss everything from Alshon Jeffrey, Brandon Cook, Sammy Watkins. We talk about the draft and Howie Roseman, and we finish out the podcast with a game of over-under. I hope you enjoy. First topic off the top is the Alshon Jeffrey news. I think most of us were all kind of... uh caught off guard with what Howie Roseman said on that conference call about Alshon saying Mm -hmm. that he kind of envisioned seeing him back. Um, He hears what everybody's talking about and how Alshon really wants to be in Philly. What's your take on what you heard from that Howie Roseman uh, conference call? So the way I see it is that like the more time that passes, the more I seeing him being like in this green Eagles Jersey next year, I just feel like, cap wise it's too much trouble to get rid of him and also you can not like really find a trade partner for him at this point so I don't also I don't think the Eagles want to walk into next year with Ortega Whiteside uh, Iffy Deshaun Jackson Greg Ward as the receivers and a rookie so I think it would benefit them just to have one more veteran body for at least a year and um, also I'm not really sure can you give me more insight on the whole June 1st thing if we decide to cut them then don't we save money or something like that so the new cba uh when it was signed there's a clause that states pre-june 1st cuts and post-june 1st cuts i'm pretty sure you could cut him right now and you would just designate it a post-june 1st cut so if they Mm -hmm. designated it a post-june 1st cut they would have the option to take the dead money on his contract that we would incur and spread it over multiple seasons instead of just if it was a pre-June 1st, we would incur that dead cap in a single season. Okay. Yeah, and that's – other than that option, I'm more than likely seeing him being back next year. I think the whole, like, speculation of him being a snitch kind of got overblown, even though I'm not really as fond of him as a player anymore. I don't think the Eagles really can do much. I think they have their hands tied here, and they're going to bring him back. Yeah, I think the the more I think about it, you know, with the contract, the injury, the uh, the quote-unquote drama that Alshon has with the team, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, give my opinion on that drama because it's all speculation, you know, Jacina Anderson this, uh, undisclosed source that. So it's really hard to, to state what the um, opinion of Alshon is inside that locker room. Um, it seems like Carson doesn't have a problem with him on the surface. Uh, Carson just seems like a guy that kind of gets along with, you know, everybody because he's just a happy-go-lucky guy. But, um, yeah. you just yeah, you just look at the wide receiver room. There's not much there when it comes to um, certainty. You have Deshaun, but he's not certain, you know. Is he going to play uh, the whole season is he going to miss a bunch of games? You know, just like last year, he kind of wasn't even there. Um, then you have JJ Arcega Whiteside or Arcega Whiteside. My bad. Um, is he going to step up? Are the Eagles, you know, already out on him after one season? He's going. Is he going to be relegated to the bench? Do they draft somebody in the first or second round that comes in and is able to make an impact? Does that rookie become the new JJ and have a hard time getting? you know, acclimated to the NFL and the system and getting on the field. What does Greg Ward look like as a full-time starter, either on the outside or on the inside? So I just think with all that said, uh, how he looks at it and says, I'm going to pay this guy this money either way, whether I cut him now, 
cut them with the post June 1st designation and I spread that cap hit over multiple years. Either way, I'm paying this money. Hopefully he can come back from injury sooner rather than later. And that's another body in the receiver room that I need that maybe Alshon's not the guy that he used to be. Um, but he's a reliable target for Carson, who's kind of got a rapport with him. So uh, I guess it makes sense if he stays, but, you know, not super excited that Alshon Jeffrey will continue to uh, wear number 17. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are excited about it. It just comes down to it. Is it going to turmoil your locker room that much, or can you make the best of it while he's here for the next year? Because he's not going to be here for another two years. It's just going to be next year. That's the way I see it. So, yeah, like you said, they're already paying him. Why not? At one point last year, even though he was so banged up, he was still your best receiver. He caught nine balls against the Miami Dolphins for over 100 yards. Yeah, I don't I don't like Alshon's game just because he's a uh, to me, he's slow, clunky and we don't use him the way he needs to be used. Like when you saw him in Chicago, it was literally just jump balls. That's mm-hmm. just it doesn't seem like the Eagles like to use him that way, which is, you know, you would get your best Alshon Jeffrey if you would. I just I go back to in as much as I I don't want to say dislike Nick Foles as much as I hate the narrative around Nick Foles. If you go back to that Rams game where Carson got injured and then you saw the way Foles was just tossing it up to Alshon and he was going to get in it and he was making plays, exactly how he needs to be used, and that's when he's most effective. Yeah. Um, I just don't think we use him that way. I don't even know if he can be used that way anymore just because of injury and age and uh, things like that. But, um, yeah, if, if, if you go into next season, you have Alshon Jeffrey – he 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 has those games in him. He's a red zone target who, you know, Carson will flick it in there and he comes up with it. He bodies uh, defenders. He's he's uh, he's better than any receiver on the roster now. Um, just because of I don't I mean, I love Deshaun Jackson. I think he's one of the best Eagles of my time. I just the the injury part of his game really concerns me. And also we saw him flash in that Redskins game, the first game. But who knows what the season would have been like for him? Because you're not going to get that game from Deshaun every week, right? You know, he mm-hmm. could go he could go the next couple of weeks only getting a couple targets because, you know, the teams are 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 playing deeper and they're taking him away from uh the offense and they're forcing Carson and Doug to dink and dunk down the field. So um enough about Alshon Jeffrey. We're gonna move to a couple receivers who rumors have broken in the past few days to a week uh, with ties to the Eagles. First up is Brandon Cooks. I think this is the more recent one. Uh, rumored, uh, I think, broke by Peter King. He says he thinks he could peg the Eagles as being the team that uh, trades for Brandon Cooks. How do you feel about Brandon Cooks if he was to come to the Eagles? I honestly really don't like it, unless it's at an extremely low price, like a really late-round draft pick. But other than that, I would be very like worried about his injury history. I think it's just adding more fuel to the fire of the problem that we already have of receivers not being able to stay healthy at the position. I, I, I understand he's an outside like receiver, and that's what we need. You can't really put him on the inside because of his injury history. He's going to get one banged-up hit could probably end his career at this point. So he could stretch out the field more. And if you could get him and Deshaun to play at least like eight, 10 games, I think that's best case scenario for both of them. 
Um, the only way I would be on board of, on with it if it's like a one-year deal and it's a very low asking price for the trade. Yeah, I mean, I think Brandon Cooks, his whole situation is kind of Alshon Jeffrey. He's just a different type of receiver, and I think he's a little bit younger. Um, yeah, he's 26. The thing with with Cooks, though, is his deal is big. Um, the potential out is in 2021, so the Eagles could trade for his contract and then, you know, move off of him after um, next, next season. Um, but uh, I guess looking at it now, it's only $8 million for this year, and you can get out of it after next season. Um, or after this season, my bad. Uh, that's when it kind of escalates to twelve, thirteen, fourteen million per season. So I think just looking at the contract, I talked myself into it more. If yeah, if you if it's a late round pick, like you said, then I'm all for it just to add another body with talent to this room that you can move off of after the season if it doesn't work out. Um, but yeah, he just he's he's just Alshon. The same concerns with Alshon with injury and contract. He's just a different type of receiver. He's a smaller guy. He's younger, but he's very injury prone. I'm pretty sure he's been injured uh, every season he's played uh, since yeah, being drafted in the first round. So, um, if I, 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 now, I do have a question for you, if you don't mind, yeah. ask So, if they get Brandon Cooks, do you think they wait till the second round to take a receiver, or what's the whole like deal? Do you see them if they get Brandon Cooks? That's tough. I mean, I just think the Eagles have to be so dead set on getting a young guy. And I guess 26 is young, but I don't see Brandon Cooks as a franchise wide receiver. I think the Eagles need to do whatever it takes, like the Falcons did when they went and got Julio Jones, to understand that if you have this franchise QB, he needs elite weapons. Like, you look at different careers of good quarterbacks that are very talented that were ruined because the team failed to surround him with elite talent. Um, it's like LeBron James. If LeBron James is out there, of course he can score on his own, but he's more of a facilitator. And uh, when he's playing on the Cavs back uh, his last year in uh, Cleveland, he's he's getting in there, he's drawing the defense in, he's kicking it out to guys that can't make the shot. So that's what Carson's doing. He's He's facilitating to guys that can't make the play. He's He's going deep to uh, JJ against the Lions. You got to come down with that. You know, you got to make it. So I think the Eagles have to realize that it's go time now. They sign him to the big deal. You have to get cheap talent. And that comes through the draft. You have to get cheap talent, fast guys, just that you can surround Carson with that he can go and make a run at a Super Bowl. You got the young stud running back on a cheap contract in Miles. You got his mm-hmm. backup who's going to be a young Darren Sproles who's cheap. You need to, you know, you're you're putting a lot of money into the tight end position with Zach and Dallas once the, those contracts are signed. You have to go and get him young talent at a cheaper price because his contract's inflated. They invest a lot in the defense and the offensive line. So I think the draft is where you need to hit on guys. We can go and trade for Brandon Cooks. We can sign Sammy Watkins. We can do all that stuff. But those contracts are expensive, and that's not how you're going to build a team around a franchise QB. So I think they need to do something like Atlanta did with Julio and trade up for one of those top three guys. And I don't think they have to trade up as far as Atlanta did, up into, what, the top seven? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think even if Brandon Cooks came, I would want another – stud first or second round 
Um, but I, if, if I'm the GM and I'm sitting in that chair, I'm trading up for one of those top three guys. Yeah, I think you said it best with the whole LeBron James analogy is the fact that Carson is so talented, but there's going to come a point where you run into those upper echelon teams where you do not have the star power to compete with them, and you're not going to be able to put the, like, the amount of points on the board. So it is very crucial that we don't settle for guys like Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins because at the end of the day, it's going to interfere with whatever rookie you take their playing time because you have those extra bodies like Brandon Cooks and Sammy Watkins. So that's the one thing that, that really worries me about Cooks is if you get him, what's going to happen to the rookie that you draft? Is it going to like limit his playing time? Is it going to limit Ortega Whiteside's playing time and his ceiling? So, yeah, that's like the last thing I wanted to say about Brandon Cooks is I'm just worried if you bring him in here that it's going to you know affect the development of the other receivers in the room. Yeah, I think that's why you've seen the Eagles pass on so many of the free agent options. And you have so many fans wondering why Howie isn't addressing the biggest need on the team um, on the surface, of course. But you you have to look at it from the GM's point of view. I'm building a team and I've spent assets on different players. So I need to figure out if these assets are going to work. Like, that's why you see... GMs, when they draft a QB, they hang on till the very end because they need to figure out if they hit or miss. Like, why do you think Trubisky's been going so long? Because that GM traded up into the, what, the third spot to pick him, gave up all those assets. He needs to yeah. be. So he's squeezing the lemon as, as hard as he can mm -hmm. to get any amount of juice out of it that he can. Because if he's wrong, then if Trubisky has a bad season next year and the Bears, you know, don't make the playoffs, then you can easily look to Chicago as they're going to have a GM vacancy. That's just that's the name of the game. So Howie looks at it and says, I spent a high uh, a high draft pick on JJ. I spent a high draft pick on Sydney. I need to give these guys as much opportunity as possible because mm -hmm. if they don't pop, if they don't, if they're not successful, then then that looks bad on me. And then that's another point to me losing my job. You know, he's, he's got the brownie points and the fact that he won the Super Bowl in the past few years. He hit on Carson Wentz, all that type of stuff. But the more it adds up to him not being able to hit on draft picks, then, you know, the worse it looks for him when it comes time to, you know, retain Howie Roseman. I say all that to say one year's not enough time to, you know, give the judgment on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Like, he's going to come into 2020 – and how he's going to make sure he has prime opportunity to compete unless Doug tells him, like, yo, this dude can't crack my lineup. Like, he's just, you know what I'm saying? So those there's so many variables that go into building a team. It's not just like we, we reference it all the time. Madden, where we can go in, turn the salary cap off. We can trade J.J. Ortega-Whiteside a year after we drafted him. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, it doesn't work like that, and it's really hard to have discussions with people that don't understand that. So yeah. it's great that we have this medium right here where we can address those type of things. Yeah, and that's why Matt Collins lasted so long, and the same with Aguilar. Aguilar was obviously a better talent than Matt Collins was, and it was kind of time for Aguilar to leave, but Matt Collins stayed on this... How long did he stay? 2017 was his, was his rookie year, but he absolutely produced nothing than that deep pass he had from Carson Wentz against the Redskins in 2017. Other than that, he was a he was a lost guy out there. He didn't do anything. And I think, yeah, Howie Roseman waited as long as he could to get the most out of him. And he saw that he wasn't a good enough player to make it on this roster. And he was cut. Well, he was actually, yeah, wasn't he cut? Or 
Was he traded to the Dolphins? It was one of them. I think he got cut and then he signed there. Yeah, like the, like a week after. So yeah, I don't blame like Howie wanting to squeeze everything out of these draft picks when you invest so much into them. You want to see if it works out or not. Exactly, because that's that was the the perfect example is Mac Hollins. Everybody, how can this team? have Mac Hollins on the field and you see what Greg Ward was able to do and he doesn't get a chance because Greg Ward was an undrafted free agent. There's no, there's no pressure on the GM to get that right. He said, mm-hmm. okay, I spent a fourth round pick on this guy. He's got the the skill set. He's got the size. He's got the speed. I need, I need to put him out there. I need to see what I can get out of him. Like it's, I don't, I don't know a perfect example or an analogy to put with the, the life of a GM. But you just if you're picking these guys in the high rounds, they get preferred treatment over guys that are undrafted free agents or guys you just signed two years ago off the street. Yes, thank because you. Because you need to be right. That's that's your job is to pick these guys, these young guys, and get them in there, and they need to be playmakers. And if they're not, that looks bad on you. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people realize that is if you draft somebody in that round, their ceiling is so much higher than a Greg Ward who is in and out of the practice squad. Yeah. So that that's why you spend that time to see if it's going to pan out or not. Yep, definitely. Um, this topic, of course, we could keep going because the receivers, the receiver position going into the offseason, of course, is going to be the uh, the biggest talking point. But we'll move on to a uh, a player that we all know and love, Shady McCoy. The uh, the gears have started turning for a possible Shady McCoy return to Philly. Uh, I think he really wants to. Uh, I know there's a lot of guys in that locker room that would probably love to have him. I think he yeah. still has some gas in the tank. Um, he would be a perfect third back. He would probably rotate with Boston Scott. Um, I don't think Boston Scott, you know, would get majority of the the second back snaps and Shady McCoy would be a healthy scratch or anything like that. So how happy would you be to see Shady and Deshaun Jackson reunited in Philly? The emotional side of me would love it. But the realistic side of me does not think it's going to happen just because I'm starting to see how we'd be more smart as a GM and not pay for loyalty. I know Shady wants to end his career here, but you already have two backs that are very versatile like Shady is that can like pass catch and can also run the ball. And if we're going to get another running back, I think it needs to be somebody who can run between the tackles like a Jordan Howard, not a, a Shady who is more of a pass catcher, more of a shifty back. And uh, even though Miles Sanders isn't as quick as Shady was in his prime, I think that they're similar players in the fact that they're dual threats. They can both run and catch. It's just like I loved seeing the post with Deshaun and like Shady getting so excited about a reunion, but I really don't think it's going to happen because like why do you why is it like a necessity to have Shady? It's not. You don't need him right now. It would be great. It's it's you know it's a good story, but I just really don't see it happening at all. Yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna be the the fan, because that's what I am first, I'm gonna say I want it to happen uh, a lot because we were stripped of all of. I mean, Chip Kelly, you dirty dude yeah <laughs> you're stripped of us of of all our our joy and watching shady and jeremy macklin and deshaun jackson like could you imagine mm-hmm. just dropping carson wentz 
into that offense with LaShawn McCoy, Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin. Like, yeah, they were all in their primes too when they left. That's a Super Bowl talent offense. Like, it's just it's it's so frustrating to think about how you know that guy came in, uh, dismantled the team. It's cool to think though that after that, like what two seasons after that, we won the Super Bowl. That's just a credit to Howie and Doug though, but. The, the emotional side of me, like you said, would really love it to see him back rocking that 2-5. Um, of course, he's not the same player he was when he left, but I still think he has juice. I think he averaged 4.6 per carry in uh, his limited time in KC. I just think mm-hmm. he fell out of favor, and they, they really liked uh, the, the younger guys in that offense. But um, I think Shady could add something to the offense. With those three, you would – you would really be able to lean on the backfield in like in case 2019 receiver uh, situation happens again in 2020, you'd really be able to lean on that backfield to make plays for you. Just like they did in that final four game stretch where miles and uh, Boston Scott really carried it. But I mean, I totally get that. You know, I don't think he would be expensive either. I think he would be on a very, very cheap veteran deal. Maybe not the minimum, but I wouldn't, I don't think you would see see him sign for more than Nickel Roby got, which is oh, right yeah. around one million. So, um, yeah. he would sign to that hometown yeah. friendly deal, definitely. Yeah, because I think he wants to be here more than we want him to be here. I mean, like Howie and Doug, right? So, um, it would be great. Uh, but do I see it happening? I give it a fifty fifty chance. Yeah, and that's tough because you never see players begging to come home. Like it's very. It's very rare that you see some. So when you see somebody like that, especially a type of player like Shady, that's very fond to us, mm-hmm. you want him back so badly. You want that for him. You don't necessarily want it for the team. You want it more for him than anybody else. Yeah, definitely. I'd love to see Shady rocking that two five again. Uh, oh, switching gears, the secondary has been, I guess, no, it has been. It's been overhauled. Uh, exit Malcolm Jenkins, RIP the goat. Um, you, you, you move Jalen Mills to a new position after you resign him. Um, McLeod makes a return that was kind of unexpected. Uh, you make the big splash move going to get Darius. Uh, you make the, the signing of, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman. So there's a lot going on in the secondary now, of course, limited spots. Oh, and then of course, Will Parks comes over. I really like that signing of Will Parks. I think he's, he's got the, the character and the culture of a guy that fits perfectly into this defense and that will mesh well. So yeah. we're both going to give our new look secondary starters. So I need uh, the outside corners. I need the starting slot and then give me the three safeties that you see playing the most. Cause of course we play a lot of three safety looks. So I'll let you go first. Okay. And I think the Eagles drew this up perfectly. Obviously it's going to be slay on the outside. And mm-hmm. then the second spot, who do I see starting week one, or who do I see getting the most playing time at the end of the season? Let's uh, just, I think, let's I think just go with week one. Yeah, okay. I think Maddox will start week one, and then I put Jones a very close second because I think Jones is going to end up taking that spot from him uh, during the season. I put Roby Coleman in the slot. I love that move. I think it's a great move. And then McLeod, safety, Mills, coverage, safety, and then Will Parks, more of a – package safety playing up against the box and then in certain pass situations those are who i would pick for my starting secondary 
Yeah, I think mine's pretty similar to yours. I know a lot of these spots seem like it's a no-brainer. Of course, McLeod's going to play safety. Um, I think the the Mills move is interesting that they, like with the the signing they announced, hey, he's switching to safety. And so it just kind of makes you think that when you're signing a guy to a contract and you're announcing also that he's moving to a different position that he might be starting there, right? They're kind of insinuating that. I just don't yeah. know if that's is um, done as people think. I think Jalen will have to compete for that spot because I don't think the Eagles just roll into the season with McLeod, Parks, Mills, and Epps. I think they spend a a high pick, whether that be the second to the fourth round, on a safety that's going to come in and compete for some time, and it could just be Mills' time. But um, just with the guys that are on the team right now, of course, uh, Slay's going to be the one. I think the other outside corner I have to be consistent is going to be Sydney. Uh, okay. I just think you just the the triumphant plays that he made at the end of the season against the Skins, the Giants, the Cowboys. Um, they were just they were so fun to watch for a guy that you know has the talent. He just seemed to, you know, lose his confidence. He lost the moxie that it takes to play in Philly, which you see so many players that happen to. Um, so I think Sydney steps up in camp. He wins that job outright. And then I think it's going to actually be a battle between uh, Nikel Roby Coleman and uh, Avante. I see a lot on Instagram and it's, it's frustrating, but then it also makes me question myself. I don't know if you ever have this, uh, these moments. Um, I'll, I'll read comments or I'll see posts from a different page. And I'm like, wait, am I missing something? Cause I see so often it's like, uh, Maddox plays better on the outside. I'm like, when, where? Yeah. When, did, when was he ever a better outside corner? Last time I remember him playing outside corner, he was getting dusted by Devonte Adams. Yep. And yep. I think his rookie year, he played a lot of safety and he played a lot of nickel corner, which was his best year in Philly. Right. So I always assumed he was a better nickel corner. One, his frame fits the, the slot corner spot better than playing on the outside. He's like, 510 soaking yep. wet like 110 pounds like 195 pounds or something like that so um i don't know where the narrative of him being an outside corner came in i think that he competes with nickel roby coleman for that slot spot because sydney emerges and i just might be the only one out in left field thinking that sydney jones is going to start and then it just kind of ruins my secondary outlook but um and there's a surprising thing. I think Avante beats Nikel Roby Coleman for wow. that spot because that's, that's bold. Because he's he's. I just think he he'll get the benefit of the doubt, right? Does does yeah. Howie worse if he signs Nikel Roby Coleman to a one year, one million dollar contract and he loses the job, or he spends a fourth round pick on Avante Maddox a couple years ago and now the guy doesn't even play, right? So mm-hmm. I think those different factors give. Maddox the benefit of the doubt and I think Maddox is a baller I think he's uh underrated I think he, of course I think he plays better in the slot so uh with all that said my starters are Slay on the outside Maddox in the slot uh Jones on the other side uh you got McLeod at strong um Mills and Parks of course will play and of course the question mark will be who they add in the draft but um I think that's that's what we're going to do going forward, James. We're going to give our our starter outlook for each position on upcoming episodes of the podcast. I like that one. 
I like that idea too. And the one thing that's troubling me about Maddox is I didn't realize how many layers there were to it. Because there's reports of him moving to the outside and being the starter on the outside. But Mm -hmm. I think he's going to lose that job more than he's going to win it. So I think he'll lose it to Jones. But then, like, then this whole confidence thing plays into factor. Do you think he has the confidence to be moved to the slot and start over, like, Roby Coleman, who's supposed to be one of the better slot uh, corners in this league? I I just think Maddox is such an interesting topic because I do like him, too. I think he's a baller as well. I think he has that, like, Craven LeBlanc, Jalen Mills attitude to him yeah and definitely it, I like I like Maddox's makeup the, I think the reason that I'm not as high on the Nikhil Roby Coleman signing is I think um contract prices tell you a lot about the value of a player because mm-hmm. there's 31 other teams right and so there's no other team that valued him at more than a million dollars enough to sign him right because that's a cheap deal for somebody that we're talking about as the hashtag slot God, right? So yeah. it's just, it's concerning to me that we got him for so cheap and it didn't seem like there was much of a market for him. Uh, it seemed like LA was happy to move away from him. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we know him as being uh, one of the, you know, good slot corners. Of course, that that pass interference call that he's famous for against the, uh, the Saints. But I just think that because you saw him signed for a million, which is a super cheap deal for a player that is, um, considered a above average slot corner um, shows you that not too many people view him that way. And I could easily see him losing that, uh, that spot to Maddox or whoever the Eagles seem to like into that spot. Because like, like we all, we talk about Craven LeBlanc, uh, shout out to uh, the Craven LeBlanc fan page um, <laughs> that, that he's like this, this secret corner weapon like we we break the glass in case of emergency and we you know we pop out strap and it's like okay go lock this dude down it's like he's he's good i just don't think he's he's as amazing as most of the fans think and i think they think that just the way they think about backup quarterbacks it's like the guy that is not in there is the guy that we we love and that we cheer for it's like these corners suck let's get strap in there it's like he's not in there for a reason he's not that great so um I think Maddox beats those guys out, and I wouldn't even be surprised if uh, Nikel Roby Coleman doesn't make the team. Wow. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, you make a good point with the the deal he signed. It, it is surprising to me why he would go so low, but in this case, it is it's very low risk, high reward. If it works out, Howie looks like a genius. If it doesn't work out, nobody's going to press Howie for it because of the amount he signed for. Exactly. So, um. Moving on to the draft, we talked about the draft with me, you, and Smith from Birds Coverage on the last episode. Um, the draft will just kind of continue to talk about the players that we like, the different strategies that we can see the Eagles taking, um, because it's just going to be a lot of rumors, a lot of, you know, link to this player, FaceTime to this player, you know, different types of stories that come out that change our view of the draft. So it'll probably be redundant going forward. But yeah. sitting at 21, you have to take a receiver and the the big three are gone. Who are you taking? I think I know your answer, but I, I need the, the listeners to hear it. Yeah, so I've been going back and forth with this. But I, if we're at 21 and the top three are taken, I definitely take Justin Jefferson. Because you run into this whole problem of 
quality versus quantity, and I don't want to trade back. I want to take the best player at that position right now. If you can find a way to move up, though, definitely move up in the draft and get one of those top three. But, yeah, if you're telling me at 21, who am I taking? It's Justin Jefferson, and there's no question about it. I think that's the most important need right now. And I actually did have an important question for you before you give your outlook on the draft. Do you think the Eagles are done until draft day, or do you see them making one more move? Uh, I think if they make a move, it's going to be, you know, a move in the same light of the Nikel Roby Coleman. It'll be a low-tier free agent for a one-year deal for uh, an, an amount like Nikel Roby Coleman signed for. Just because, you know, everybody's like, well, we've got 24 to $27 million in cap space. It's like, well, yeah, but we need to roll that over to next season because – Going into, into 2021, we'll have like four million in cap space. So I don't think yep. the Eagles make any more moves. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if we signed, you know, a backup offensive lineman or if they sign a um, another linebacker, or maybe a safety. But it'll it'll be probably a guy that we haven't heard of, kind of like the Jatavis Brown signing. Um, yeah. But it's probably going to be super quiet until draft day. Mm-hmm. No big splash moves. Now I agree with that, and you know. The one thing that's like really bothering me is that people say that we have 10 picks and 10 picks. I know that's a lot of picks and everybody's excited about that, but that doesn't mean anything if eight out of 10 of them are terrible. Yeah, that's you need to invest. Yeah, I think Howie has yet to put together a draft class that top to bottom you look at and you go, okay, like even just a few years later that you can look at and say, Oh, the, he he hit on majority of these picks, and I think he the pressure is on not even from just the fans, but from uh, Jeff Lurie because I know he he you know he may be a billionaire, he may just be an owner, but he knows a little bit about football, and he knows that uh, in order to build these teams, you need to hit in the draft, and uh, he I think the pressure's on for Howie to really hit on one, and um, I think this year, you know, I'm just I'm I'm more of a positive kind of guy. When it comes to like just the Eagles, of course, uh, not even just in life, but I think Howie comes into this draft feeling super aggressive, knowing that he he doesn't have um, all day to figure it out in the draft wise because you got guys like Joe Douglas that are gone, uh, Andrew Barry is gone, so two of those those big guys that were in that department with him, helping him with the talent evaluation, are gone. Um, mm-hmm. Can't say that he missed on Derek Barnett. Uh, I can't say that he missed on Sidney Jones yet. Um, I can't say that he missed on JJ yet because those, all those things take time to figure out if he's hit or missed on them, right? So um, I think this draft, how he comes out, guns blazing, he makes the moves. But if he's to stay at 21, I couldn't agree with you more about Justin Jefferson. The more I watch his tape, the more I think about him, the more I like him because he's – He's an all-around guy. I can't stand the, you know, we need a guy like Tyreek Hill. We need a guy like Kenny Galladay. We need, it's like, I don't want a one-dimensional guy. I want, mm-hmm. I want the Julio Joneses. I want the Odell Beckhams. I want the, the Michael Thomases. I want the DeAndre Hopkins. I want the guys that line up outside and they can, they can run the entire route tree. They can body guys in the red zone. They make the spectacular plays. They bail their QBs out. I don't want the guy that can just run super fast down the field. I don't want the guy that's um, just catching touchdowns in the red zone because he's 6'5". So uh, I think Justin Jefferson is that guy that can do everything. 
I think he's like Jerry Judy and like uh, C.D. Lamb. He's just not as um, crisp as Judy or as explosive as Lamb is. But another thing, like we were talking about how um, Maddox has been pinned as an outside corner, the narrative that Justin Jefferson is just a slot is completely false. Like, mm-hmm. yep. you, I, you can't just – and this isn't just in sports, but in life in general. And I don't mean to get too broad and too, you know, introspective, but – if you're on the internet and you're swiping and you're seeing an opinion from somebody, you can't just take that as fact. Like if I post something about Avante Maddox being uh, a slot corner, don't just take my word for it. Go and investigate. Go and make up your opinion for yourself with the facts that you find. So you have so many people scrolling and I don't know who put the narrative out there that Justin Jefferson's just a slot, but they obviously didn't watch the tape. Maybe you exactly. watched it. His game against Alabama where he primarily lined up in the slot. Did you take a second to think that maybe the matchup was against a smaller corner in the slot? Somebody that he could abuse? Like, he played outside more than he played inside. Like, it's just, it's insane to think that uh, some of these narratives can pigeonhole certain guys. But uh, I think Justin Jefferson's a tremendous talent. He uh, would definitely be a number one, maybe not right off the bat, but in the next few years for uh, Carson. So, if we don't trade up for Lamb, which um, I want more than anything, I would, yeah, I would give up anything for C.D. Lamb. That dude is just an alpha male. He's an animal. He's a beast. He's he's Julio Jones. He's Odell Beckham. Like, he's those guys. So Game um, changer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Game changer, game breaker, just uh, certified beast. So um, if we stay put and those three guys are gone, then my definite, definite. And even to talk to you, I would prefer Justin Jefferson over Henry Ruggs. Me too, just because of the value. I don't want to trade that much up to get Henry Ruggs in the top 10 when I can take a receiver that's probably got a higher ceiling and isn't like one-dimensional, as you say, like with Ruggs. So, yeah, I agree. I would definitely take Jefferson at 21 over Ruggs anywhere in the draft. Yeah, and, and I mean, we could keep going, you know, to talk about the the untrue narratives around players that uh, – Henry Ruggs is an all-around wide receiver. Uh, I where I don't understand yeah. where you're getting this from. Henry Ruggs is is Tyree Kill. Maybe he's taking the the eighty-yard bombs, but most of his plays that I've seen are the the bubble screens that he's taken for sixty, the quick slants. He's Marquise Brown, and I don't think Marquise Brown, uh, if he was traded to Philly tomorrow, would be that much of a um, a game changer. I don't think he would be somebody that would be like, yeah, that's our number one wide receiver, Marquise Brown. So um, I'm not high on rugs. I know the NFL is a speed game. You just look at the guys that just won the Super Bowl and they just, you know, it's a track meet over there. So that's what fans want. But um, I'm out on rugs. Uh, there's there's probably more than just Justin Jefferson that I would rather have than um, Henry Ruggs. I'm just, I'm not a guy that is all about speed. Um, so yeah, no, track- I definitely see your point there. Like, it's funny you say that about the Jefferson thing, about the reports you read and don't believe them, because I saw two reports yesterday from one was from Mel Kuyper, and he's like one of the best, you know, scouting reports. And the other one was from Brian Baldinger, a guy that works for the Eagles, who's also a reporter. Um, they both said two different things. Mel Kuyper said that Jeff- Justin Jefferson is not a great route runner. And then Brian Baldinger said that Justin Jefferson is one of the best route runners in college football so 
it's crazy. You can't really believe until like you see it happen on the field. And those are two trusted sources. So, or, I mean, you you don't know what you're going to get until you bring them in the building. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's tough because there's so many different sources for uh, information for the Eagles, for football, for anything like that, that you when I see something that I don't know, I go and check. Like I said, with the Justin Jefferson thing, like this guy's not just a slot receiver. I remember watching him line out outside all the time in the national championship game. So I had to go back and make sure that I'm not, you know, wrong when I say that he's not just a slot receiver. So just because you hear something from a Mike Mayock or a Todd McShay, like, you know, if you care about this stuff and, you know, you want to be informed, you got to go and do your homework to, uh, to make sure, well, not even to make sure, but to make up your own opinion, you know, he might line up in slot, um, just as much as he lines up outside, but which, at what spot is he more effective? Then you can say he's more effective in the slot. That's probably where he'll line up primarily. He's a slot receiver, or you can say, he lines up just as much outside, and he dominates on the outside. That's where he scored most of his touchdowns. And then you can say he's an outside receiver. So there's just yeah. a lot more homework that guys need to do before they uh, they give their takes and spread those uh, those false narratives and opinions. Yeah, but- college football is definitely tricky scouting-wise. Also, you know what's a funny thing is the Eagles don't have a single player on the roster from the 2015 draft. Yeah, I, that's why I'm saying Howie's got Howie doesn't have a good track record of of guys or even, you know, drafts, draft classes where he can say, you know, that was a good draft class. We built on that draft class. Like you can say, okay, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz, Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders, uh, Fletcher Cox, like, but all those guys are just one-offs from their draft class. Like they're not bringing most of their buddies along with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, how he's really got to hit on this draft class where if we do stay with 10 picks, then at least, six of them pop and become starters in, within the next three years. Yeah, he did strike well with those core guys, but you do need to have a supporting cast as well. Yeah, you can't you can't continue to build a uh, championship contending team where each draft you're only pulling one starter and then every other draft you're pulling a Pro Bowl player. That's just – that's not how yeah. good teams sustain. So um, Moving off of the draft, we'll finish this uh, episode with a game of over-under. So we got six of them. I'll let James go first on each one. So over-under, Carson Wentz, 32 touchdown passes. I'm going to say slightly over. He had 27 last year, and that's with a really banged-up receiving core. I can't see the same thing happening this year. So I'm going to say, yeah, slightly over 33, 34, somewhere around that range. Yeah, I'll have to agree with you. Of course, we might be slightly biased. You know, if this number was 40, I'd probably say over. Um, Just because I think there's a lot of uh, new variables that come into play. I think the receiver room is going to be uh, more improved, even though we might still see some of the same guys. I think JJ steps up just a little bit. I think uh, Alshon Jeffrey comes back and contributes just a little bit, of course, if he's here. Um, And then... Uh, you have the new offensive coaching uh, assistants that are in the building with Doug that are going to help him redesign uh, this offense, and it's going to be something teams haven't seen before. So that is in Carson's favor. And I think just the more he gets removed from that 2017 injury, the more he gets removed from Nick Foles, the 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 building block that was 2019 for him, he's just going to continue to springboard and get better and be that – that Aaron Rodgers type of guy that it doesn't really matter who's out there, he's going to make him better. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So number two, Miles Sanders over or under eleven hundred rushing yards. And this one was really difficult for me because I like Sanders a lot, but I'm gonna say under. I think he does get much more improved in the running game, but I see him barely getting past a thousand yards. But I think he'll definitely be able to go forward with it in the future. Yeah, now that you actually said that, because I came into it thinking, you know, oh, it's going to be way over. He's going to be one of the best. But after you say that, I think it's going to continue to be a Carson-friendly offense where the majority of the uh, plays are pass plays. Um, Maybe if it was all-purpose yards over, like, 1,500, I would say, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah, without a doubt, yes. I think he goes over 1,000, but under 1,100, I could see him with like 10,070 yards or something like that with, you know, 600 receiving yards and uh, whatever amount of touchdowns. I just think Sanders is going to grow into being um, the focal point of the offense, um, d- depending on the receivers that they get, of course. But uh, I think Sanders is a special player and uh, he's one of my favorites. So I'll, I'll agree with you. I think it's a little bit under, but I still think he's a. He's a he's a game changer. Yeah, he can definitely have a breakout year without eclipsing a thousand eleven hundred yards. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the third one, uh, I did three offense, three defense. The last offensive one. This is a big one. Deshaun Jackson, eight games played, over or under? I say over, and I love Deshaun. I think he's one of the more hardworking guys in this league, even though he gets a bad rap for his attitude, but. I just don't think that's how he wants to end his narrative in Philadelphia. I think he'll come back really strong next year and make big plays for us and play, I'm not going to say the full season, but the majority of it. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I'll say it's over, um, even if it's, you know, 10 games. I think he misses a few just because he's got the frame of a guy that will get hurt. He's not big. He's not, uh, you know, he's not strong. He's just a a slight framed fast guy that, you know, is prone to being injured. He, I'm pretty sure each season that he's played in the NFL, he missed at least a game or two with some type of injury. Um, of course, he's getting older, so that works against him as well. But I just think he knows that he's reaching the end and uh, is going to take the necessary steps to make sure his body's right to, uh, to play more than eight games this season. So I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. The next one, over or under Derek Barnett, eight sacks. Mm, just, this is so difficult. Uh, I'll say over. I think that Barnett hears this whole trade talk about Yannick and everything, and he's probably going to be upset about it, and he'll step out this year and break out because he knows this is a huge year for him. If he doesn't produce this year, you're going to start hearing the talks of, well, maybe should we give up on Barnett? Should we trade him? Should we cut him? And I think he's a very talented player with a very high ceiling, and I can just see him going back to that, like, 2017 rookie year where he was everywhere on the field I think he'll have yeah I think he'll have like 10 or 11 this year that's um part of the most exciting thing about being a fan is these types of situations these type of discussions is you know Derek Barnett going into his contract season you know is he going to be able to 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 perform in a way that we're going to want to keep him I I loved the Derek Barnett move um when we drafted him, I, I just, I really wanted him to be that next franchise defensive end. Um, but it just, it hasn't been, um, that way or even close. I don't, I'm not as down on him as most people are that think he's a a bust or a bum. Um, I just think now that you've got this defensive line that looks stacked in the middle 
even if you minus one of those guys, uh, whether it's Cox or Malik Jackson or Hargrave, Hassan Ridgeway showed you stuff before he got hurt. I am a big, big fan of Anthony Rush, and I hope he returns as well. So I think just the the amount of talent you have on this defensive line, even including Brandon Graham, who's getting older, I think it will it'll free up Derek Barnett to make a lot of plays. Um, I'm going to say it's a push, and I know I made these questions, so it's kind of annoying that I'm doing it, but I think he gets eight sacks. I think that's his his uh, his 2020 season is that Barnett gets eight sacks. It wouldn't surprise me if he got exactly eight either. And I just don't get what's like, I understand that fans are impatient, but just remember how long we waited for Brandon Graham to play well. Exactly. Like it was maybe five, six years before he started to produce. Yep. And I think Brandon Graham benefited from the fact that uh, Chip Kelly came. Uh, I know most people didn't benefit, but I think he benefited from the fact that Chip Kelly came and he was able to switch positions and kind of show you enough as an outside linebacker in a three, four that when Doug got here, you know, he's like, okay, listen, I I need pass rushers. He played, you know, relatively well outside. I'm going to, you know, you're going to convert back to a DN and see what you got. And then the rest is history. He's one of the best Eagles in, uh, in, uh, in my opinion, one of the best Eagles of all time. But, um, Switching off of that one, the next guy, Darius Slay, over or under four interceptions? Mm, under. I'm. It. Uh, I like him too, but I'm gonna say slightly under, just on like the fact that how hard it is to get interceptions in this league. If you look at the numbers now for like leading interceptions, it's around six, seven, eight. It's very difficult to pick a quarterback off, especially with all the rule changes going on. But it, that doesn't mean I think he's going to have a bad season. I think he's going to have a good season with the Eagles, but I can't see him picking off more than four passes. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, I think he gets maybe three. Uh, I just think that um, being a good corner is more than getting picks. Um, it's how often are you thrown at, the completion percentage, and what you allow, uh, touchdowns allowed, stuff like that. So, um Slay is definitely more of the more of an Asante Samuel kind of corner than a Darrell Revis kind of guy. He's not gonna completely lock somebody up, but I think he makes plays when he needs to, and I think he he nabs three three picks. And I just I think he has a better season, whether it be uh, pass deflections and all those other stats that I just rattled off. But I'll agree with you there with. Uh, under four picks because like you said it's it's not easy i don't think we had anybody did anybody have more than uh four on our team this year i don't think so no yeah i can't think i don't think malcolm did i don't think rod i think rodney had three maybe yeah Um, i can't think of too many guys so yeah i agree with you it's definitely not as easy as uh most people think and that Um, doesn't make you a bad corner because you don't have seven eight picks yeah, if you get three picks and then 18 passes defense, like that's, you know, that's a that's a great season for a corner. In, unless you're, you know, Xavier Rhodes and you're getting beat twice a game. That's, you know, you could have seven picks, but you, you if you're allowing touchdowns and you're getting beat consistently, you're not a good corner. Um, I do have breaking news in the secondary. Not a big deal, but Jalen Mills is changing his number to 21. What? Yeah, I just got a text message from my friend, and I saw it. I saw the report. He's changing his number to 21. Oh, no! No, I like the 31 on him, too. 
That's so dusty, bro. I hope nobody has a Mills jersey out there. One of my best buddies, my guy Cody, who's been on the podcast a couple times, he Mills is his favorite guy, and he he has a, a Midnight Green 31. That's Oh, uh, yeah, Roby Coleman's going to probably be rocking the 31 now. Um, Because I saw – um, so I don't know if you follow uh, – I'm pretty sure his name is Drew Mathis. Um, yeah, 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 I know who that is, yeah. yeah. He uh he does some some clean swaps and he tags most of us in it and he made one for uh Nikhil Roby Coleman that uh Nikhil posted and he was wearing thirty one I'm like why would you request to be in number thirty one when that's Jalen's number but I guess it it makes sense now it does now yeah wow well, oh, little minor breaking news bro that's like that's catastrophic news where I'm from like. <laughs> 20 oh my god i guess okay never mind i'm seeing him in it now because philly eagles news posted a a swap of him in the in the 2-1 but uh that's prime number it's clean as shit it's clean as shit it is damn bro that's crazy that that threw me off i'm sorry yeah that's fine my bad i didn't mean to do that 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 was that was bigger news than it should have been to me but that that's crazy i I might have to rock that 2-1 mills because that that looks it's gonna look it's gonna look nice dang Okay. Why would Coleman want 31? Anyway, anyway, last one. Uh, any player over 60 tackles? Uh, over- yes, I'm going to say Nathan Geary or Will Parks will be the only pro- like the only players for me that will eclipse 60 just because of how versatile they both are. Yeah, it's tough just because like the, the roster that we have in front of us, it, it doesn't scream, uh, you know, sideline to sideline um, terror anybody it just i don't know with malcolm gone um i don't know if if will park steps into his spot or if they even continue to play those type of fronts where you have that safety in the box consistently um so yeah Yeah. i'll go go, i'll go under because unless they add uh somebody uh that pops off the page i just don't see a guy like tj edwards nathan gary and plus you got to factor in injuries um you know, you might have a guy like Will Parks that misses eight games and he only gets, you know, like 40 tackles. So I'll differ from you on this one. I'll say under. I don't think anybody eclipses 60. And this is solo tackles because it's easy to get over, you know, 60 uh, combined tackles because I think Malcolm had like over 90 combined tackles last season. But um, yeah, yeah, they're totally two different stats. Yeah. So that'll do it for the over under game. Um yeah, I just, I can't, breaking news, everybody, breaking news. You heard it here first on the Eagles Fans Podcast with correspondent James McKeith from Fresh Prince of Philly. Jalen Mills is rocking 2-1. That's where we're at in the offseason right now. <laughs> Nothing really else to talk about, but. So I Ring the alarm, Jalen Mills is rocking 2-1. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this one. I love having James from Fresh Prince of Philly on. If you haven't already followed him on Instagram, please go ahead and do that, at Fresh Prince of Philly. If you haven't followed me on Instagram yet, please go do that as well, at Eagles fans. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. Don't forget to leave a review down at the bottom and stay tuned for episode 17.